Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. Thanks for joining me today. Live from the, uh, what I'm going to be calling the podcast dungeon uh, going forward. This is uh, the den of my house. So uh, this will be the podcasting studio for now. Um, working out, as you can see, the lighting is a little suspect, but uh, we'll power through it. Good to be back. It's been a few weeks since I've been on. Uh, thank you for all the listeners to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, before we get started, uh, if you want to follow the show, please do so. Uh, on Twitter at Bend Your Ear Pod. Uh, you can get all the episodes there, the video episodes. If you click on the uh, likes column on the Twitter feed, you'll see all the videos of the podcast there. You can also, of course, follow the show on Instagram, which is also Bend Your Ear Pod. And uh, if you could like the YouTube page, let me bend your ear podcast, I'd appreciate that as well. And you can follow the show on Facebook under Let Me Bend Your Ear. And of course, if you listen to this podcast in its audio form, uh, always you can uh, get that wherever you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much every podcatcher. I think if you pull it up and look for Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast, you will be able to find it. So check it out. I appreciate that. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. I also encourage you to visit the website for the show. The website is letmebendyourear.com. All the episodes are there all the way back to episode one. And you can check it out there, so I appreciate that. Today's episode, it's a movie that I've wanted to review for a long time. I actually saw the film a long, long time ago. And it's one of the film genres that I'm a big fan of, uh, known as film noir. So uh, if you're a fan of those, uh, a lot of those film noirs were kind of around World War II is where it started. Kind of uh, in World War II, post-World War II. Uh, so a lot of those films uh, sprouted in that period of time. And obviously the the genre has, has ebbed and flowed as other genres do in movies. I mean, obviously uh, the most recent one I can think of that I saw that I actually reviewed for the podcast was uh, was the um, Guillermo del Toro film Nightmare Alley, which uh, was last year's one of my favorite films of last year, actually really good, the one with Bradley Cooper in it uh, and Kate Blanchett. Uh, so definitely in that film noir tradition. Uh, another sh uh, movie that I reviewed, and I don't have the episode number, but it's The Stranger, directed by Orson Welles, and it has Orson Welles, Loretta Young, and Edward G. Robinson. Uh, that's a really good one as well, and Edward G. Robinson is going to be in the film that I review today as well. So today's film is going to be Double Indemnity, directed by and co-written by Billy Wilder. So if you are a fan of film in general, or film noir in particular, uh, this movie is high on that list. It's regarded by many as, as the preeminent film noir movie of all time. And uh, it's it's a fantastic film. I'll get into the review in a moment. But yeah, obviously, if, if you are a fan of film, you've heard of this movie. Uh, obviously, you know, all the tropes that you see in, uh, in a film noir are present here. You've got the... Comp everybody in the film is compromised somehow, morally. Uh, definitely film noir deals in the morally gray areas of people's psyches and what they do, what they're willing to do, especially for, and a lot of times in film noir, for lust and or love. So, of course, you've got Fred McMurray starring in the film. Uh, he plays um, Walter Neff, who is a insurance salesman for the Pacific All Risk Insurance Company. So as the movie opens, uh, he is, of course, you know, doing his job there, and he has to visit a client to get a renewal on a policy. So he goes to the home of Mr. Dietrichson and he is not there and he comes upon Mr. Dietrichson's wife 
played by the great Barbara Stanwyck. So she is Phyllis Dietrichson. So of course they meet, the sparks kind of fly, sexual tension is there. One of the things uh, about this film that's fantastic is the is the dialogue. So Billy Wilder, of course, world-famous writer-director, you know, great films. Actually, I've, I've seen only a couple of films in his filmography. I've got to really catch up and, and review more of those. I've seen Witness for the Prosecution, which I actually have as well. I'll review that on another podcast and this film as well. Um, of course, he's directed Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, uh, some classic, classic films. And uh, he's regarded as one of the best writer-directors uh, of all time. So this particular screenplay he co-wrote with Raymond Chandler. So, of course, that name sounds familiar. Uh, that is the creator of the Philip Marlowe character, which, of course, has his own kind of noir legend in, in cinema and in literature. So what you get with those two combining to write the screenplay is a lot of hard-boiled, crackling dialogue. And, of course, in the 40s, you know, in this time period, a lot of sexual innuendo. Uh, so obviously in the first scene between Walter and Phyllis, uh, you see that, you know, you know, not even double entendres, but basically allusions to things of a sexual nature. And it's done in a creative way to get across that these two are hot for each other. And uh, and um, basically lust at first sight. And of course, they, you know, fall in love. So as they meet in that first meeting, um, he's trying to renew his policies. And then Phyllis makes the unusual request of, of, of Walter to find out about an accident policy. So if something were to happen to her husband, because her husband works where he goes to oil fields a lot, he's on the road a lot, uh, dangerous situations, and she wants to make sure uh, that there's protection. So, of course, Walter at first is immediately kind of suspicious, because that's an odd request uh, from a wife to make. And, of course, she adds to the suspicion by telling him that she wants to get this policy without his knowledge, without him knowing that he has gotten when he asks why of course her response is well because he's very superstitious about this he doesn't think he needs it you know i just i'm just doing it to protect him that's why i don't want him to know because he'd be upset if i did it so she clouds it in that kind of this is why i want to do that but of course he's immediately suspicious of it and um you know he kind of exits the situation but of course as he does that he realizes that he's in like i said at the beginning of the film in lust with her and uh and wants her very badly so of course as the movie progresses you know, they uh, they come up with a plan uh, to get him this policy. And then, of course, the policy is an accident policy. And then, of course, the title of the film, Double Indemnity. Uh, if, uh, if there is a certain way that a particular person dies, so usually it's a, it's a risk that's very rare, that would be very unlikely to happen. But if in this scenario, if this particular risk is the way the person is accidentally killed, then the policy would be worth double. So that's what the double indemnity clause in the policy is. Uh, so as, as a person that works in insurance, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the, the dynamics there. And then the third major player in this movie is Edward G. Robinson. So Edward G. Robinson plays Barton Keyes, who is Walter's supervisor at the insurance company. So he's the claims manager. So the thing about Edward G. Robinson, let me just talk about him for a second. So of course I know who he is. And I am a person that has not seen a lot of his work. So I've seen, including this movie, three performances of his. One, of course, in the Ten Commandments, which he's in. Second, The Stranger, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago, the movie with Orson Welles, which he's fantastic in. And in this film, Double Indemnity. So this is the third film that I've seen with Edward G. Robinson in it. And what I can say is what I said when I reviewed The Stranger. He's a fantastic actor. And uh, as someone... 
you know, my my film history, you know, I've seen films all the way back to King Kong, um, but where I lack, honestly, as a cinephile, and I'll hopefully with this podcast, I'll continue to try to do that, is the silent film era, and then probably films from 1950 back. Um, you know, there's some exceptions, of course. I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I've seen Gone with the Wind. I've seen... You know, obviously Citizen Kane, which is one of my favorite because I'm a big fan of Orson Welles, which came out in the 40s. So I do have some movies that I have watched from the 40s, but that's really, the list gets kind of small after that. So mine's really from the 50s up until current time. But again, the beauty of this podcast and the beauty of looking at film and observing film is, is to is to is to get to see these for the first time and appreciate what other people have appreciated. So again, Eric G. Robinson in this film is phenomenal. His, uh, it's just, you know, you have the great screenplay, him really performing, doing a great job as a claim manager. You see him analyzing claims, being able to smell uh, a fake claim when he sees one. There's a great scene where there's a gentleman in that's lost his vehicle. His vehicle has burnt up in an accident. And, uh, and you see, you see Barton basically just take him apart to the point where he has the guy sign a waiver of claim away because he, he basically said, look, this claim is bogus. You know, this claim is bogus. Uh, let's not get in trouble. So why don't you just sign this and you won't be in trouble and we can all move on with our lives. Great scene in the movie in there. And of course, Eric G. Robinson's fantastic. So those are the three main players in the film. Uh, you have other players as well. Um, in uh, Mr. Dietrich's house, you have, of course, Phyllis. And then you have Mr. Dietrichson's daughter uh, that is living with them and is really not a big fan of Phyllis. As the movie progresses, we come to find out that Phyllis was the nurse for Mr. Dietrichson's first wife. So Phyllis is his second wife. And she was a nurse and his wife passed away. And as the movie progresses, it basically alludes to the fact that that death may have been under some some suspicious circumstances. As of course, after shortly after she died, Mr. Dietrichson marries Phyllis. And of course, there's a, you know, uh, not a great dynamic between the daughter, Mr. Dietrichson's daughter and Phyllis, of course. And uh, so, like I said, as the movie moves forward, they come up with a plan to surreptitiously get Mr. Dietrichson to sign a policy, the accident policy. And then furthermore, they make a plan to kill him. Now, I'm not giving away any spoilers here because as the movie opens, the movie opens with Walter Neff going to the insurance company in the middle of the night or early morning, actually, going to the office, getting on a, I guess back then, a dictaphone where you could record. People will record notes, things like that, and record basically... He's telling the story of what happened, of course, as the movie progresses. So it starts with the end of the movie with him in some distress and then recounting what happened. So basically, he's making a recording to Barton to basically kind of let him know what's transpired and uh, kind of, you know, put his confession out there. And there's a lot of ego involved, too, because, you know, Barton is, is, is excellent at sniffing out fake claims. And, of course, Walter and his brilliance of coming up with this scheme with Phyllis is that I know the game, I know how it's played, I know what I can do as far as what we can do to collect on this claim. And he's got this very meticulous plan that he's played out. And the thing that's great, let's get into Barbara Stanwyck's performance as Phyllis. So of course, she is, you know, sexy, strong, but the manipulation is, of course, she's the classic femme fatale in the film. So obviously when the, when the guy messes with the femme fatale, usually, you know, or always for the most part, good things do not happen. So... What I love about the film is the way the movie presents it, and it's almost, it's funny, I have one main question because it's its never clear to me, and I could be just on a limb after watching it a couple of times, I have always wondered 
when Neff goes to her house to renew the policy of her husband, you know, he happens to not be there. She's there. At first, when I first saw it, I thought it was just a chance meeting. And it may well be a chance meeting that he happens to find her there. They find each other. The sparks fly. But as you see her character evolve through the film, you always wonder, was that first meeting actually an accident that he wasn't there? Uh, I don't know. I never, because the way Phyllis is played. So what Barbara Stanwyck does so great is at the beginning of the film, you know, she brilliantly kind of lets him know without telling him a lot, just lets him know that she's unhappy and things have happened to her and her marriage is not great and he's not great. And of course you combine that with the fact that he's in lust with her and he, you know, he thinks he can rescue her. Um, so she, she plays that basically, you know, innocent, you know, I'm just a victim here and, and uh, I just want to get out of a bad situation and things like that. And of course he falls for it. And, and I think she feeds, and this is what I think the best film noirs do. The femme fatale really feeds into the male ego of saving a quote unquote weaker woman or a woman that can't take care of herself. They fall right for that trap because it's an easy trap to get men into. Uh, when you're talking about their ego. So as the, as, at the beginning of the film, it's great because you see her kind of submitting to him and, um, you know, kind of following his lead, you know, and of course he's all the, more than happy to take that lead. But as the film progresses, and it's very gradual, it's not, it doesn't anything that doesn't seem organic, is you can see kind of the shift. So as 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 Walter gets deeper into this plot, you see... Phyllis's strength start to come through and you start to see the dynamic change as far as who's really in charge but in the entire time Phyllis is still making Walter think he's in charge of of what's going on and uh like I said it's uh the the thing that's great about this film is a bunch of things that are great like I said the screenplay is fantastic um from when I was doing the research on it I guess Marlo and um excuse me not Marlo excuse me Raymond Chandler and Billy Wilder clashed a lot uh, on making the screen when they were writing the screenplay a lot of a lot of a lot of combativeness on both of their parts and let me stop real quick here because i always give my unsolicited plug since i have no sponsors for the show but i'm always proud to talk about criterion so i've got the criterion of double indemnity and this one's kind of cool because criterion is starting to do 4k releases of their of the films so this one's so you get three and this one you get the 4k you get the Blu-ray and you get the regular DVD. I'm, I'm never going to watch the regular DVD. But, um, of course, there's a great essay in there. And every one of these criterions that you buy with a select film, you get a really good essay from a from a, from a film historian or a film critic or an essayist that writes their uh, impact. So, it's, of course, that's great as well. So, of course, I highly recommend uh, if you are a cinephile and you like classic movies or movies that are not, you know, either movies like this that are huge or movies that are not so well-known. Criterion still... You know, since the 80s, I think the best at, at curating these types of films and providing additional content. Uh, so again, check it out if you're a fan of it. Like I said, um, there's a lot of ones that are coming out on 4K that I want to get. Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers film that I've reviewed for the podcast before. Probably my favorite Coen Brothers film. Citizen Kane's come out. So there's a lot of those. So that's uh, what I watched it on. But anyway, I digress. So uh, like I said, there was a lot of combatants between Chandler and Billy Wilder on the screenplay. But the screenplay is fantastic. Like I said, you got a hard-boiled dialogue that you would see in like, you know, something like the Maltese Falcon or things like that. You've got the just the great interaction between the characters in the movie. Obviously the great interaction between the two leads and of course the the co-lead in Edward G. Robinson's Barton character. So again, fantastic. So as the plot goes and they they go to kill her husband, 
you know, I won't give too much away per se, but uh, of course, if you watch any film noir, uh, obviously things don't ever go as planned. That's kind of a standard trope, so I don't think I'm giving away anything there. Uh, things don't always go like they're supposed to go. So in that sense, uh, it's it, the movie is, is, is exciting. You, 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 you know what they're going to do, but you don't know if what's going to happen and what the ultimate price that they're all going to pay because they're all going to pay a price. That's pretty much always uh, going to be a given. And again, this is considered probably one of the preeminent film noir movies, and I can see why. Like I said, the, the cinematography is fantastic. Um, the Like I said, the acting all the way around is fantastic. Um, like I said, you've got Barbara Stanwyck, uh, who's fabulous. Uh, Fred McMurray, so of course, people that know Fred McMurray, I mean, he had, he had a film career, but I know people know him later on on, on My Three Sons. and But he's fantastic here. He's just kind of... Uh, he's What's great about him is he's kind of... It's funny because he's pathetic but very smart at the same time. But he's so in love, lust with with Phyllis that it just you know it clouds his judgment, and uh, and of course he thinks he's going to outsmart Barton, his boss, which is part of I think the excitement from him as well. And that's what I love about it too. I think almost as much as the the lust he has for Phyllis and the ability to try to get away with her, get away with this, get the money and go, he's really into outwitting his supposedly genius boss now it's funny because the relationship is portrayed in the film very positively like he kind of looks up to him there's also another great scene in the film where where barton offers walter the chance to be his assistant even though it's a pay cut but he knows that walter would be good at this and that he's too good to you know he's too smart to be just a salesman so of course walter rejects it. he's like ah, i'm not doing that i'm gonna go less money i'm making more money now so you can see that there's a mutual respect between them uh but at the same time, you can really see as the movie progresses that Walter is is getting some satisfaction out of thinking he's going to outwit Barton, get away with this claim, get away with the murder, and 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 run off with Phyllis. So he, he you know, there the ego is there not only of, of of getting Phyllis, but the ego there is of outsmarting his supposedly, you know, brilliant boss uh, Barton. So all of those things put together make for a great entertaining film. Uh, like I said, I don't think there's really anything I can ding it for. I don't think there's anything that I thought that um, would come to mind. I guess the only thing—I don't know—it's a criticism, it's the wrong thing. And I and I and I want to say this for people that are that don't. What I will say, let me say this: people that don't watch a lot of old films, uh, and I encourage people to do so. If you don't, if I, if you already do and you watch these movies, this this is not going to apply because you 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 know this already. But you know the the. The dialogue, the situation. Sometimes you gotta you gotta take yourself out of it a little bit because I think, and I'm guilty of this as well. Even though I love old movies, is is putting today's standards to the old movies. And then I'm not talking about anything offensive. I'm talking about way the narratives go, kind of things that may feel quote unquote dated. But if you just look at it in the prism of what type of movie this is. And how it delivers that that entertainment, it's fantastic. So that's probably my only, and like I said, it's not a criticism. It's just something that I would uh, encourage people if you're watching this movie for the first time and you don't really watch a lot of either film noir or older films. If you feel that you have that, just just roll with it, go past it. I think you'll find that you'll find this movie fantastic and and very very good. Like I said, I've seen it twice, once a long time ago, and then now um, in the last week or so for the podcast. So again. 
I really think you will love Double Indemnity if you haven't already seen it. Check it out if you like. Like I said, it's it's uh, it's great. Um, it's because film noir is great because it's kind of thriller elements of it, um, drama elements of it, romance elements of it, uh, and even co- even dark comedy in there too. There's a, there's a couple of funny scenes. Like I said, the scene with Barton, you know, busting the you know the alleged fake claim, you know. When things, one of the other dark comic things that's great about what great film noir does, and and actually if you go back to Nightmare Alley, this does it well. Great film noirs will have that dark comedy in it because when things start to go wrong, as they inevitably do, a lot of it is very funny, and and it's but it's played straight, so it's not played for laughs. But that's what makes it even funnier because as you see the things go wrong, it is it is hilarious sometimes. And their reactions to it is funny. Like sometimes their exasperation when things go wrong are funny. Uh, so when those things happen, so you get comedy in there too. So that's what's really that's why I'm really a big fan of film noir because you get a lot of disparate genres within that subgenre. So it's fantastic. So you like I said, you get your thriller, you get your sexual tension, you get your comedy, you get your drama. You get all of those elements thrown into that into that particular type of movie, so that's what makes film noir really a a unique, uh, great genre of film. So again, look and like I said, with Billy Wilder, he's a great writer more than anything else. So you have his writing with Raymond Chandler's writing, and then the fact that that this screenplay is fantastic is not a surprise. Uh, you know, you know he's a great director, but I think most people would argue he's even a better writer as far as Billy Wilder is concerned. So again, this doesn't disappoint. Uh, it's a it's one of his great films, and like I said, I'll I'll revisit uh, Witness for the Prosecution. I actually have that one with Charles Lawton. I haven't seen it in a year, so I may re, um, come back and review that for the podcast because that's another really good movie. Uh, but uh, again, Double Indemnity, starring Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, and Edward G. Robinson from 1944, directed and co-written by Billy Wilder. Uh, like I said, you can get it. Uh, I think wherever you get movies, you can rent it and watch it. Like I said, if you want to buy the Criterion. Uh, again, my free plug for Criterion. Uh, maybe one day there'll be a sponsor. That'd be great. Uh, big fan of Criterion. So I am going to give Double Indemnity four and a half Van Goghs out of five. So four and a half out of five for me. It's you know it's a fantastic film. It's a film that I will revisit. Uh, I didn't give it five Van Goghs completely. Uh, not that I don't think it's a classic, but five Van Goghs for me is a film that's rarefied air for me. That's a film personally for me that I'm going to watch dozens and dozens and dozens of times or i've already watched dozens and dozens and dozens of times so i don't this film i don't know if it's going to be one of those but that doesn't mean it's not fantastic and it's not a classic so i give it four and a half van goes out of five and i highly recommend double indemnity if you have not seen it check it out if you have already seen it of course you already know how great it is if you haven't seen it in a long time uh, i would highly recommend you revisit it so again double indemnity 1944 four and a half van goes out of five so again, I want to thank everybody that watches and listens to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing this. As I've said over the last few episodes, uh, I'm trying my best to, to, to pump out one a week, but it hasn't been working out. Things have been crazy with the holidays and with family. So it's tough. But like I said, I'm going to try to get in here as much as I can, get into the uh, podcast dungeon here and uh, record these episodes because I really love doing it and I really appreciate the people that have been watching it. So if you download the episodes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Again, you can find this audio podcast wherever you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. And uh, if you go to Google, 
type in Let Me Bend Your Podcast. You can find it there. It's that simple. And uh, I encourage you to go to the website, LetMeBendYourEar.com. All the episodes are there from episode one. If you can, if you're a fan, please subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, you can watch the video version of this podcast there on YouTube. You can also watch it on Twitter, as I stated earlier, at Bend Your Ear Pod. And then you can also watch the first 10 minutes of each episode on Instagram. Uh, I don't have a way to stream there, so I can't put the entire episode. But if you're on Instagram, you can check out the first 10 minutes, and then you can transfer over to YouTube or to Facebook uh, to watch the entire episode, the video episode, if you prefer. And you can email the show at bendyourpodcast at gmail.com. I will ask if you're a fan of the show. First of all, thank you so much. Like I said, I really enjoy doing this podcast. I've been pumping these out since 2018, and I'm very, very proud of it, and I'm glad uh, I get to do something that I love to do. So again, if you like the show, uh, if you can rate it five stars on your favorite podcasting app, wherever you're listening to it, that'd be fantastic. I'd appreciate it. Uh, the reason that's important, I'm an independent podcaster, so obviously the, the, the main ways to get this out is social media and word of mouth. Uh, the more five-star reviews I can get on a particular platform, uh, the higher the show will show up in search results of people looking for a new movie podcast to check out. So again, if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. So again, thank you for joining the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Uh, again, Double Indemnity, 1944. Directed by Billy Wilder, starring Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray and Edward G. Robinson. I'm giving four and a half Van Goghs out of five. And I will see everybody soon. Have a fantastic week. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Take care.